0: So our passage then, which Paul has so ably read for us, is Mark chapter 8, verses 1 to 10. The title of today's thoughts, today's sermon, is They Did Eat and Were Filled. One of the earliest revelations of the character of the Lord our God is drawn from the experience of Abraham on Mount Moriah, that time when he was instructed to sacrifice his son as a mark of his faithfulness to God. And we know that Abraham was ready and willing to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, And he took him to the top of the mountain. There he built an altar. There he laid his son upon the wood. And as he drew his knife, ready to slay the boy, we're told that the angel of the Lord called out for him to stop. And in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 13, we read these words. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. So here we find a revelation of the character Of God in this title that Abraham gave to that place and the events and the circumstances surrounding the provision of the ram in the thicket. The name is applied to God, Jehovah Jireh means the Lord has seen or the Lord sees the Lord has provided or the Lord will provide. And these two are so closely connected as to suggest to us, as indeed it did to Abraham, that as soon as our need is seen by God, provision for that need has already been made. As soon as the need arises... There is ready already provision made. Isaac's deliverance on this occasion required that a substitute be found. And Abraham's words to his son as they had travelled together towards the top of the mountain and the Lord had asked, where is the lamb? Abraham had said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And that Jehovah Jireh speaks about the fact that the Lord sees a need and the Lord provides for that need. And that anticipation and that preempting of the need of the Lord's people is what we have before us today in this passage. That anticipation of God and that preempting of God, the need that we have, the need that we have as sinners, the need that we have for deliverance, the need that we have to be saved from judgment is the reason why a substitute was required for our lives also. Just as that picture of the ram in the thicket was uh, given uh, to us in the context of Abraham and Isaac, so the Lord Jesus Christ has become that one who was provided by God as the substitute for sinners like you and like me. And we see that substitution most gloriously fulfilled in the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ, who in the covenant of grace and in that covenant of peace was foreordained, set up to shed his blood for the remission of the sins of his people. That's what we're told in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. John explains it slightly differently, but with the same emphasis. That the Lord Jesus Christ, he tells us in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, was as the lamb slain, ...from the foundation of the world, so that the Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord our God, saw the need and immediately had provided for the satisfaction and the provision and the supply... Of that need. That the Lord Jesus Christ, though crucified in time, was as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, tells us that when Adam fell, when Adam sinned in the garden, that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and a covering of justifying righteousness was already certain, was already sure, was already accepted by God, even as. The Lord's death was being prefigured in the slaying of the animal and the covering of the skins that were given to Adam and Eve uh, to cover their nakedness. So that the prophet Isaiah describes this anticipation, this uh, um, preempting by God of the need of his people for their salvation like this in, in, in chapter 65 and verse 24 where he says it shall come to pass that before they call i will answer and while they are yet speaking i will hear and that's a timely reminder for you and for me today brothers and sister in Christ. Because no matter how and when and where we begin to think about salvation or feel our need for help, the provision of God is already there. The Lord Jesus Christ is already there. The Lamb has already been slain. Atonement has already been made. The way of escape has already been supplied. No matter how and when and where, a believer finds their need arising and cries out for mercy and for grace, the Lord Jesus Christ already knows. And he has already put the means of our deliverance into place. He is with us, our great deliverer. Is with us in that moment of our need. Paul could say to the Corinthians in first Corinthians chapter ten verse thirteen, there hath no temptation taken you, no trial overtaken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. Listen. But will with the temptation, but will with the trial, but will with the difficulty that you find yourself in right now. Also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. And I know that some of you are going through some pretty horrendous trials at the moment. Some pretty difficult times. But hear the word of the Lord. God is faithful. We have have thought already about praying to the Lord. How that the Lord Jesus Christ and the psalmist cried to the Lord in their distress and the Lord heard them. So it is that whenever the, the believer turns to the Lord, provision has already been made. With the temptation comes the way of escape so that we might be able to bear it. The Lord doesn't give us a life free of trial, but rather he gives us the trial and he gives us the support and the enabling to be able to bear it. The way of escape by turning to him and drawing from him such help and strength and comfort and grace that he desires and is able to provide. With the opening verses here, of chapter 8 of Mark, we see the Lord anticipating the need of these people who had gathered in the wilderness to hear him preach and to partake of the healing miracles that he was performing. These people had gathered. And they had stayed with the Lord for three days, such was their such was their commitment and dedication, such was their interest and, and and enthusiasm to hear the word of the Lord that they spent days there in his company. But the Lord knew that there was a need that had arisen, and before the people asked, he was already preparing his disciples for the provision of that need. And it's also a lovely picture of God's love for his people. The Lord said to his disciples, I have compassion upon the multitude. And the Lord God, because of the love which he has for his people, he was moved to send his son into this world to be our substitute, to be that Ram in the thicket, to be that lamb of God for our ransom, for our redemption. He was the bread of life that was given for our souls. So here in the wilderness is a hungry multitude. And the Lord knows that they have run out of food. I don't know uh, why it took three days for this to happen. Perhaps they had brought food with them. Perhaps they had gone through the food that was available there. But the Lord knew that there was a need arising. He knew that these people would not make it to their homes because some had come a long distance. He knew that they would be faint in this Judean wilderness unless sustenance and nourishment be supplied for their bodies. And so we have a miracle by which the Lord wonderfully satisfies the physical hunger of these people using just a few loaves and some fish. And the passage in many ways is clearly understood to be teaching that. However, there's a lesson also in this for the disciples And we've been remarking how it is that the Lord was teaching his disciples uh, by his words, by his doctrine, by his parables, by his miracles. That the Lord was constantly about the preparation of these disciples. Putting them through, as it were, an apprenticeship so that they in time and in turn would be able to take upon themselves the, the yoke and responsibility Of the apostleship that the Lord Jesus Christ would leave in their charge. And there's a lesson for the disciples and a lesson for the church of Jesus Christ in this miracle also. The Lord is teaching the disciples for their own ministry to a spiritually hungry people. A people who spiritually are certain to faint... In the wilderness of this world, unless they were provided with gospel sustenance and gospel nourishment, with the doctrines of Christ, with the message of the gospel. That needed to be supplied to their souls. And so the Lord is giving his disciples lessons about their role in the preaching of the gospel. In a day to come. And I think there are four little lessons here that I would like to draw out uh, that the Lord taught His disciples from this miracle and teaches us as well in this feeding of the 4,000. The first one is this that the Lord here discovers these loaves and fishes. Um, The the Lord turns to his disciples, He, he looks out on the multitude, he looks out on this great gathering of people, and he knows that they have a need. And so he asks his disciples how much bread they have, how many loaves have ye? Now the Lord didn't ask that because he didn't know. The Lord knows all things, but he asked it. So that the disciples would take note of the resources that they had available. And it wasn't much. It was seven loaves and a few fish. That was all they had. And as we read the the narrative, we might wonder at the way in which the disciples reacted Uh, Had they forgotten the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, which Mark has just told us about in in, in, in a couple of chapters before? Uh, Had they forgotten that? I don't think that it was a, a lack of memory. I think it was a lack of faith. Their faith was weak. But the Lord was going to show them that he would use What little they had. And he would take all that they had. And that was the lesson that he had for them that day. The scale of the task that the disciples had that day in the Galilean wilderness was significant. It was daunting. The resources that they had were sparse. Yet the Lord took the little they had. And he fed a multitude thereby. Food is natural for life. It's essential. And for spiritual life, there is also a need for spiritual food. The Lord Jesus Christ, uh, when he rose from the dead, met his disciples the morning after they had been fishing, on the shore of Lake Galilee. And he fed them with bread and fish. And he took that occasion to remind the disciples, and Peter in particular, that he was to feed the sheep. I don't think there was any coincidence really that it was bread and fish, That was used to feed the 5,000 and the 4,000 and the disciples on the morning after the Lord's resurrection. Because this was the lesson that the Lord was giving. These apostles had to feed the sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God. And the people of God are often called his sheep. And so the apostles were to carry that message. It is as if the Lord is saying to his disciples, remember the 5,000, remember the 4,000, remember what is impossible with men is possible with God. And these few disciples, they appear to be the most inconsequential band of individuals imaginable. They faced great odds. They faced the religious strength of the Jews. They faced the civil and military power of the Romans. And yet these few men went out into the world preaching the gospel. And they turned the world upside down by the foolishness of preaching. So what was meagre? in the estimation of the disciples, in the hands of Christ was sufficient. And what is mean and foolish in the estimation of this world, upon the lips of the preacher who is called and sent of the Lord Jesus Christ, is the most significant life-changing message for the souls of men and women. When we look at the world today with its multitude of hungry souls, we often feel weak and insufficient and ill-prepared to be able to make any difference at all in the hearts and lives of men and women. And yet the Lord takes the little that we have and he discovers in it the source of life-giving nourishment for hungry souls in his compassion for his people, the Lord will have his sheep fed and he will have them comforted with the word of truth. So he sends his preachers to preach that word. He sends his disciples, he sends his people into the world to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ in worship, to stand for the truth of the gospel, though we often feel inadequate for the job that he gives us. Is it possible that men and women like you and me, that the church of Jesus Christ can make a difference in this world? Yes, it's possible. Not only possible, but it is certain. Because it's by the preaching of that gospel, it's by the witness of the church... That the Lord has ordained the gathering in of his people. That is why this activity today of gathering together around the word of God is so significant. That is why sending this message out... In its broadcast form or as it is preached from pulpits around the land is so meaningful and important. It is why we still declare this gospel with so much commitment and dedication and enthusiasm. Because it is the only way that men and women will be saved. The Lord Jesus Christ is gathering his people Still today. He is building his kingdom. Still today. And it's not our skill. And it's not our ability that achieves that end. But it is the blessing of the Lord. Upon that. Meagre resource that we bring. We preach the gospel. And the Lord takes. The power of the Holy Spirit. And he lays it upon that. Common fear. Loaves and fishes were just about as basic as you could get in Galilee. But like the Apostle Paul, we can say, Christ sent me to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. The Lord divided the bread, the loaves and the fishes. The Lord blessed the loaves and the fishes. And it is the Lord that takes his gospel and with his blessing divides to all appropriately. Remember the parable of the sower. The sower sowed the seed, but it was the Lord who made it grow. And so it is with the blessing from the Lord. That power is from above. It's the work of the spirit and the soul that brings the change in, lives, in the lives of individuals. But it's the ministry of the preaching of the gospel that is the medium that is used by the Lord. And that ministry is still to go out today. The disciples were given that for which the Lord had blessed and were told to distribute it amongst the multitude. And our ministry is not about slick presentations or clever rhetoric or professional training or even, or even evangelistic initiatives. It's about declaring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is about preaching salvation by grace and faith in the finished work of Christ Christ. On the cross. That's all. That is the sum total of the message that we have to bring. That message alone gathers the elect of God from the four corners of this world and brings sinners into the kingdom of God. That message alone feeds the souls of God's people and comforts their hearts. That message alone is what we need to hear week by week so that our souls will be nourished and sustained and that we will be built up in the most holy faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. That message is the power of God unto salvation. It's the ministry which we have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Here's another point that we can learn from this little little miracle. Preaching the gospel or testifying the gospel of the grace of God was to be the life's work of these disciples. And we hear afterwards of a few of them. But most of them in time left Jerusalem and Judea And we never hear of them again. They went forth as sores to sow. They went forth as fishers of men. They went forth dispensing and distributing the loaves and fishes of gospel truth to nourish the souls of men and women, boys and girls, all over the known world. They did as the Lord commissioned them to do. And basically, as preachers of the gospel, they had three responsibilities. A preacher has three responsibilities. He must feed the church of God with the gospel and with knowledge and understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our purpose as preachers. In doing so, we protect the church from the false teaching And from anything that would turn them away from the simplicity that is in Christ. So we preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ so that there will be knowledge and understanding of Christ. And we protect men and women thereby from anything that would turn them away from Christ. And we preach with the desire that we might increase the church ever seeking the Lord's sheep where we preach the gospel. So we're preaching the same message both to the saved and the unsaved, lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ so that there might be a knowledge and understanding of Christ and a protection against false doctrine and false teaching. And as the disciples handed out the bread and fish that day to the hundreds and to the thousands those who had thronged to hear the Lord. It foreshadowed the breaking of the bread of life in the preaching and ministering to all who will gather to hear. The power is not in the preacher, but in the gospel that is preached, just as the nourishment wasn't in the distributing of the food, but in the devouring of the food. And that's the final point that I want to leave with you here today. The necessity of devouring the loaves and the fishes. Because the means by which the Lord feeds and satisfies the hunger of his people is by the consumption of the gospel of Jesus Christ might wonder how it is that three days had passed before these people became faint with hunger and maybe it was that they had brought sufficient food with them for a little while or that they found food locally for the first few days I I don't know we're not told and we need not worry about that but what we are told is that the dedication of the Lord's uh, um, of these people to the Lord's ministry Um, caused them not to want to leave. Some had come from a great distance to hear the Lord. It is hungry people who eat. And it is those who hunger and thirst after righteousness who come to Christ for that gospel food that he gives Free will preachers, they try to force-feed religion to people who are not even hungry. But the gospel is manna to the souls of those who are starving in the wilderness of sin and weary to the point of fainting under fresh trials. We encourage one another. As we gather together around the Word of God, we comfort one another. But even for believers, the flesh is willing, or the the, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We need that constant supply of the Gospel for our souls. You don't just get saved in your teens or your uh, 20s and then uh, go on uh, assuming that everything is all right with your, with, with, with your soul thereafter. There has to be a constant return, a coming back week by week, even day by day, that we might feed upon Christ. These 4,000, we're told, eight And we're filled. Believers taste Christ and are satisfied, not so that they don't want more. We are filled, but we find Him suitable to our taste and we want more of Him. We want that filling and we want it time after time after time. We're told that the people here on this day, they ate and were filled. John chapter 6, verse 53, the Lord said, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. And so we come back time after time after time to hear the gospel to hear about God's provision, to hear about the love of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God in sending his Son into this world as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of his people. We look to Christ, who out of his love, voluntarily submitted to taking our sins upon himself, bearing our iniquities, dying in our place our great substitute, our surety, our deliverer, our redeemer, our friend. Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. May the Lord bless us always with a preacher who takes that gospel food from the blessed hands of the Lord Jesus Christ and distributes the divine truth to our souls. May the Lord God grant us grace to feed upon Christ day by day that our spirits may be nourished as carefully as we nourish our bodies. And may we eat and be filled with the sweet knowledge and understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ and protected and preserved from false doctrine and from the lies of men. May we feed upon Christ, our Lord and Saviour, that we faint not in our journey through this wilderness as we head for our promised home in glory. Amen.